Hello and welcome back to The Hum. I am Karina Dross, artist and astrologer, one half of Abacus Corvus, and my astrology business is Flax and Gold. This podcast is a bonus mini podcast that comes on the same feed as The Hum and the Holler, which is the Abacus Corvus look at every month's spell for the year of 2021. And today we are beginning with the new moon in Sagittarius, which is also a solar eclipse. And there's some wildness happening. This is December 4th. So we begin this month very much in the midst. We are in the midst of eclipse season. We are in the midst of some of the biggest astrology of the year, coming back for one big final hurrah in December. And on December 4th, the new moon in Sagittarius is a solar eclipse. During an eclipse, a good way to think about them is that they are energetically intense times. Throughout history, there has been a big to-do about eclipses and what they might mean, and generally they freak people out. They've been freaking people out for a long time. And the reason for this isn't that an eclipse always correlates with times when kings die or countries fail, as many ancient astrologers were concerned about, but rather that an eclipse is a time, as we understand it now, when what is hidden becomes revealed. And uh, the metaphor that I like to use for this is if you think about cycles of light and dark being predictable in our lives, so predictable that we don't look at them. And then you think about all of the other things in your life that are so predictable you don't really think about them. What an eclipse does is it jars us out of the familiar, disrupts the routine and the cycle, and in so doing tends to correlate with times when we look with fresh eyes and make new discoveries about what is right in front of us, about what has been happening in our lives, what's been under the surface. Not every eclipse is equally intense for everybody listening. Eclipses tend to strike a more personal time, a personal note for like, this is your time for change. This is your time for discovery, uh, a kind of um, looking into the reality, the, the sort of surprising truth of your situation and making new decisions and choices accordingly. That really shows up when an eclipse triggers your personal birth chart very closely. So this eclipse is happening at 12 degrees and 22 minutes of Sagittarius. So if you have a planet, ideally a personal planet, if it's like Pluto, Neptune, we're not going to be as concerned with that, but Sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, Venus, or a strong point in your birth chart, which might be your ascendant, your IC, descendant, MC, or even one of the nodes of the moon. If you have any of these falling within three degrees of 12 degrees of Sagittarius, so, you know, I would say down to nine degrees and then up to about 15 degrees, so between a nine and 15 degrees of Sagittarius, or its opposite sign, nine to 15 degrees of Gemini, or the signs that are square, 9 to 15 degrees of Virgo or Pisces. So there's kind of a broad swath of signs that are that are being personally hit by this eclipse. And if you find yourself 
If you find that your sun or your moon or your ascendant or some significant piece of your birth chart is within one of those degrees, don't get spooked, but do sort of prepare yourself for something in your life being about to change. Something is shifting. And specifically, it's a little bit like you might have known this all along and suddenly it becomes important. Or you might have a hunch that there's something you might need to check out or look back into or get involved with. And it's been on the back burner and now suddenly it needs to be put on the front burner. That's generally how the eclipse feels. Oh, I've had, I've had this inkling. I've had a hunch. I've sort of thought maybe there was a direction I needed to take. And now suddenly, yes, very much so, this change needs to happen. For some of you, it might be a big change. For some of you, it might be a small change. The point is not to be freaked out in advance of what might change in your life, because this isn't, um, it isn't really useful to stay in your anxieties around an eclipse, because eclipse season itself is trying to give you information, useful information for you to have, to know, to act on. And when your anxieties clutter it up, it can be really hard to discern what is the information that's coming to me that's true and actionable. And what is just me projecting all of my worst fears onto this situation right now? I will say as someone who experiences anxiety myself and has my whole damn life, that's one of the trickiest things to discern when you are in your feelings. In this case, feelings being the fear. It is really hard to discern, is this my strong intuition of something I need to be acting on and believing? Or is this my worst case scenario, self-protective mind kind of chattering at me. And so luckily during eclipse season, you get about six months. You know, the eclipse is a, is a one day phenomenon. The eclipse season is about six weeks, but from six months, uh, or rather starting now, December 4th and moving for six months forward, which I believe will be May 4th, if my math is correct, you've got that span of time. If this is a personal eclipse for you, to work out and work through and start acting on what comes up for you this week. So my advice for you, don't get too spooked. Do pay attention. Do a little anxiety tracking. You know, do, try, try to do a little discernment now. And as much as possible, don't act like all at once in some big life-changing way on the information because you don't have all the information yet. So take notes, pay attention, pace yourself, stay grounded. And that staying grounded part is especially important because this new moon is also going to be squaring the planet Neptune as the moon moves a little bit past the exactness of the eclipse. And the planet Neptune is the planet of dreams and mysteries, of loss of self, of communion with the all. It is a really juicy energy if you are trying to call down some inspiration, do some magic, be in empathic, loving connections with nature and animals and sweethearts. Neptune's great for all of that. Neptune is not so good for practical applications of what you know or reality testing and groundedness. The shadow side of a day when moon squares Neptune is a risk of even more anxiety and dissociation and just a feeling of what can I really believe and trust. So 
do use your strategies, my friends, if you are someone who's prone to anxiety and dissociation. And, you know, if you're in your feels already just about what a time we are in right now, I would say generally I advise doing some ritual and intention setting on new moons. I would give that a miss on this eclipse. The energy is strong enough already. You don't want to be generating more to add to the big feedback of reverberations of intense energy. I would say make yourself a cup of tea, get under a blanket, watch a comfort food movie, like have a chiller time if possible on this new moon. On December 8th, we've got kind of like a big brassy, uh, exuberant, uh, loud blast of an aspect, which is Jupiter squaring Mars. And Jupiter is the great expander. It enriches, it ripens, it flowers and mushrooms out in vast multitudinousness. I don't think that's a word. Um, whatever it touches. Mars is our innate, passionate life force. So on a day when Jupiter is squaring Mars, a square is a challenging aspect, but Jupiter is not a harsh friend. <laughs> Even when Jupiter is in a challenging aspect with a planet, it's not going to feel crunchy and painful the way a Saturn square might or a Pluto square. Instead, what happens is all of our Mars energy gets turned up to 11, for better or worse. One of the more beautiful ways this could look is if you have been feeling kind of slug bear, if you have been lacking motivation to do the things that you really want to do, if you've found it hard to just get up and go for a walk in the middle of the day when the sun is out, getting all bundled, this day can really revitalize and re-spark your energy. So everyone living with chronic fatigue, uh, with chronic illness, with depression, um, this is a good day to see where your energy might have a little more expansion than usual. And I say this advisedly because you don't want to force yourself if you're not feeling it. It might just be if you're, um, you know, if you're really struggling with illness, if your body really needs to rest right now, it might just be this is a day when you have more energy to read. You don't have to nap as much. Wherever you are at physically, trust your capacity and get curious today about if you have the energy and the enthusiasm to push a little farther and do something joyous with your body, with your vitality, with your eroticism, uh, with your capacity to say no. Mars is also boundary setting. Joyous boundary setting. No, thank you. I do not want to go to that event. I am thrilled to not go to that event. Um, so these are the beneficial ways this can show up, but you do want to watch out if you have a predisposition to go to extremes energetically. If you are someone like me, uh, full disclosure, I have a Mars-Jupiter conjunction in my birth chart, and so I and people who have similar things natally find that when we get revved up, it's very hard to understand when to stop what the limits are. And so there can be lifelong patterns of, I feel so good, I'm just going to go, 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 go. And then maybe you usually take like a 10 minute walk every day and you're like, today I'm going to take a three hour hike. And then you get into hour two and you're like, oh damn, I am not ready for this. And I am exhausted and maybe I've injured myself and I still got to hike two hours back now. So 
And you'll see, even as I said that, I said three hour hike and then the story turned into a four hour hike. That's kind of how it feels with a day when Jupiter squares Mars. So have some kind of conscious awareness around what limits you really have to obey if you are feeling so swept up in the goodness of, I got some goddamn energy, I'm going to go do a fun thing. Um, Give yourself an end time, set an alarm, in some way have an external accountability system to pace yourself so that you don't go so hard that you end up injured, depleted, not having a good time. Goal with this is to have a goddamn good time. And on December 11th, we have Venus in a conjunction with Pluto. And, you know, we are coming out of Scorpio season. We are in Sagittarius season right now. Pluto, ruler of Scorpio, is bringing back this flavor of introspection, deep emotional healing, looking at one's relationships with sort of a side eye, asking, is this really (laughs) as healthy as I want it to be? Am I really being true and honest and in my own integrity? Is this other person being in their integrity? How might we be hurting each other without realizing it? These are the sort of questions Pluto demands us to ask on a day like this. And so you might want to think about, because it is Sagittarius season, and we're still coming off of that Jupiter square Mars energy, and we are in the midst still of eclipse season, the Venus conjunction to Pluto might be bringing up different information than usual. And you might be in a cheerier state of mind than you were last month when we were going through similar themes. So it's worth asking yourself, what's changed since last month? How do I feel more resourced or less? What do I want to focus on? What have I let go? What has it been a good idea to let go of? And really just honor the releasing that you've done. And what do you want to deepen into? Pluto is not just how have we all been hurt and how would we need to heal from it. It is also how can we be in this kind of deep, deep, rooted down connection to our own power and in relationship to doing that together, to, to really being no bullshit with each other. So that is one of the beautiful side effects of a day when you are doing this Venus-Pluto work is to think about working with Sagittarius, working with Jupiter energy, what could feel really warm and generative and powerful about getting closer to a certain kind of core truth in your own relational self, in your important relationships. And on December 13th, Mars moves into Sagittarius, which has a very similar flavor to the Jupiter square to Mars earlier this week. It is the party continuing. It is the uh, buoyancy, the high energy, the optimism, and still a really gorgeous time to get back in touch with movement, joyous, playful activities, your own erotic potential, and getting together with people, having gatherings that are COVID safe, whatever that looks like in your world right now, but are part of this kind of big Martian powerful resistance to the doom and gloom that have the potential of really weighing us down in these times. So on December 13th, 
you have cosmic permission to be um, having a bonfire for the greater spiritual good, right? To be hooking up with a friend for, you know, the resistance of the tyranny of, of the oppression of death, right? Like to just be in some kind of um, positive, uh, like I'm like wanting to say upbeat and then that feels a little fake. Like upbeat is maybe I can't go there right now. But um, when you can't feel hopeful, you can feel defiant perhaps. And so what I want to say for this particular aspect is a kind of defiant, uh, passionate joy, if you can access it, is going to be pretty powerful the whole time Mars is moving through Sagittarius. And Mars will stay in Sagittarius until January 25th of 2022, which brings us to December 19th. Day. There are, if you've read the horoscopes in their written form, you'll know there are three very big deals this month. The eclipse at the beginning of the month, the Saturn-Uranus square, the final one of the year, at the end of the month, and then today, December 19th, Venus stations retrograde, womp womp, uh, full moon in Gemini, same day, and that moon's going to be squaring Neptune again on its way out of the full moon exactness. So December 19th is a day, a day and a half, and Venus retrograde is that time that happens every 18 months or so that asks us to pause, slow down, review, reassess, reevaluate, revise all things Venusian in our lives. And Venus rules our relationships, our creativity and talents, our finances, our core values, uh, our own relationship to pleasure, beauty, and harmony. So there's a lot going on with Venus. And depending on how Venusian you are as a person, this can be deeply significant time for you, or, you know, maybe a little less so. So people who are uh, have strong Libra placements, Taurus placements, who have Venus conjunctions in their birth chart to the sun or the moon or the ascendant, um, Venus retrograde will be a time when you might be doing more significant personal life review than others who have less prominent Venus work to do in their lives. For everyone, though, the Venus retrograde is a time when we are looking backward in our relational history and kind of sorting through and trying to do some deep integration around habits memories, loose ends in past relationships, friendships where you maybe drifted away without having a clarifying conversation about what went wrong, friendships where you drifted apart without wanting to and want to connect again. One thing that I do invite you to hold as a loving boundary for yourself, my friends, is that during this Venus retrograde period, which will be lasting until January 29th, when it turns direct. I implore you, do not try to make amends or rekindle anything with an ex, an ex-lover, an ex-partner, an ex-family member. Really do not do that work of, I am reaching out to somebody who 
has been abusive to you or who has set an incredibly clear boundary around not wanting to be in contact with you. They could both be true, but if one or the other is true for you, please do not take this Venus retrograde period as permission to to move back into that kind of connection if it will be harmful for you or if it is clearly unwanted by the other person. So if you do not know if that is true, spend some time talking to friends and really getting some outside perspective and listen to that outside perspective. If these are trusted friends who love you and have your best interest at heart, they're not going to want to lie to you. They're going to want the best for you. And they might be able to see something about this situation that you can't because a piece of you is still kind of hooked into it. And so if you recognize yourself, if you're feeling a little called out in what I'm saying right now, your work for the Savinus retrograde period is to figure out what is it in you that has gotten so hooked onto that other person and how can you unhook it and kind of bring that part of you back to yourself, have, have like a loving, warm embrace for that part of you that you need to reclaim from that relationship to love in a way that that person cannot right now, possibly ever, and to prioritize the, the kind of re-nourishing and reintegration of that piece of your heart that has been hurt by that particular connection and is still holding on for some reason. For everybody who, you know, may or may not have that kind of attachment to bad idea relationships or painful kind of breaks with people in their lives. For everybody, this Venus retrograde is an important time to think about how you let yourself experience love, pleasure, beauty, and the ways in which you give yourself permission to really enjoy your life, which I gotta say, in pandemic times, there has been this kind of paradoxical um, experience many of us have been having of so many of my sources of pleasure have been limited. I can't do so many of the things that I used to do for pleasure, for joy, for connection. And so on the one hand, we're, many of us are living with profound emptiness and lack and all of the grief associated with that and have been for, you know, what, almost two years now. On the other hand, sometimes that lack and the sort of spaciousness that can come from not having the same social rhythm or work obligations where you have to commute or whatever it might be, those of us who have had an opening into being able to care for ourselves differently or experience life differently have also found that in such hard times when there is not a ready-made solution for getting your needs for pleasure or socializing uh, met, that we've gotten more creative, that there are ways in which many people I'm hearing from clients and friends are learning to insist upon their own well-being in a really different way. And I think this is core to the uh, movement we're also seeing of workers resisting uh, dehumanizing and dangerous and unlivable work conditions. Uh, in the U.S. especially, and this Venus retrograde 
in the ways that Venus is tied to finances might be a really beautiful push towards that resistance of needing to value our lives more. This Venus retrograde period for me, I see as both and, both in your own personal life, come back to super nourishing and healing forms of pleasure. Notice your relationship to pleasure. Where do you have shame, hang-ups, blockages? Or where do you go to extremes and maybe need to dial it back a bit? And notice our larger cultural myths around who gets pleasure, who deserves pleasure, who gets resources, who deserves resources, and how we can collectively be using this retrograde as a kind of you know, like energetic strike, right? Like pulling our energy away from the financial systems that exploit. That would be lovely. Also today, December 19th, we have a full moon in Gemini, and that full moon will be squaring Neptune, just as the new moon did on the 4th. And this full moon is significant because it signals the end of eclipse season. We are now fully out of that tumultuous time. And in Gemini, a full moon asks us to celebrate and release all of the unanswerable questions we may have collected over the past many, many months, and to reconnect with each other in ways that are less heavy, that are more you know, just exciting, stimulating, inspiring, funny, spontaneous, to just bring a little bit of that spark back in. The square to Neptune, again, as we talked about on the 4th, is a good time to just dream, be inspired, sleep late, take a hot bath, and be a little cautious around your fantasies or your anxieties blocking your understanding of reality today, especially if you are a Neptunian of any kind, someone who's got strong Pisces energy, strong 12th house energy, or Neptune in a powerful combination with your personal planets. The next aspect happens on December 21st, which is also winter solstice in the northern hemisphere. This is the day the sun moves into Capricorn. And when we shift from Sagittarius to Capricorn, I want to remind you of how every single sign does this work of correcting for where the previous sign may get excessive. So if we just do Sagittarius all day, all the time, forever and ever and ever, it is going to get bleak. And Capricorn is kind of the cleanup crew for what would otherwise be a nonstop party. Capricorn itself can get bleak. If you, you know, deep into Capricorn season, right before Aquarius season hits, we're going to be mired in that. But, you know, at the end of every sign, there's this feeling of we need to learn how to clear our palettes and shift to the next energy so that we don't get stuck. And so Capricorn keeps us from burning and fizzling out in the kind of sparkler atmosphere of Sagittarius and brings us back to reality brings us back to our responsibilities, our long-term goals, our strategies, our commitments to one another, and what we're kind of trying to here to be good at, what, what we're here to bottom line, the things that are our uh, beloved projects. So as Capricorn season begins, 
I just want to remind you that the solstice itself is a powerful day to be doing magic, to be doing intentional work. And it is that transition day between Sagittarius and Capricorn. And so I invite you on the solstice to light a candle, to have a fire, to do something that honors that Sagittarian spark, even as we are moving into the Capricorn world of um, future planning that is less optimistic and more realistic. Um, I say this not to diss Capricorn energy. I love me some Capricorn energy, but because the times we're living in right now have such heaviness, and with the Saturn's clashes that have been happening all year long, Saturn, ruler of Capricorn, we've all kind of had an extra Capricorn-y kind of um, Saturnian, um, how do I say this exactly? There's been a greater risk for depression and pessimism this year because of how powerful a player Saturn has been. So as we move to Capricorn season and close out the year, I just want to invite you all to hold as much Sagittarius as you need to in your hearts so that you don't fall back into patterns of depression or pessimism when Capricorn season is really inviting us to move towards action, to move toward now is the time we act on our ethics, and now is the time we begin to build the next thing we want to see. So December 24th, for people who celebrate this as Christmas Eve, this is going to be a little bit of a tougher holiday. This is the day that we have the final Saturn square to Uranus. There have been um, two more earlier this year. They have been the big theme of 2021. And this is the final clash between them. So this energy is completing its cycle, but it's still a tough one. You know, uh, there is no way around it. I really love to look at the bright side of, of pretty much every aspect. Like, here is the potential if you can find it. And there is one to this too, but I don't want to sugarcoat how hard this transit is. So all year long, we have been working personally and collectively around questions of what do I get to hold on to from the past and how am I aligned with a revolutionary future? Where do I need tight control and where do I find rebellious resistance? How are we responsible to one another and how do we need individual liberties? This has been playing out in the Capitol riots on January 6th, in the arguments about um, abortion rights that are currently happening in the Supreme Court in terrifying ways. It has been happening in the ways that richer countries have been hoarding vaccines and not uh, promoting the distribution of vaccines to all in a way that would be better for the collective. Like this Saturn Uranus square is really um, troubling deep, deep cultural social divides in our world about what collective responsibility looks like, what personal uh, freedom and autonomy look like, and how those two can ever become uh, integrated. So on December 24th, just be aware that this energy is heightened once more. There may or may not be a big thing happening globally that is aligned with this. There may or may not be a big fight in your personal family gathering about the ways that you and your beloved family, family members might have different politics. I don't know what's going to happen on a concrete level, but I know that these energies have the potential 
to ratchet up the tension. So whatever you are doing on the 24th of December, do your best to not get activated. Have a plan for how to de-stress. Have a support system. Have a buddy system. Make it easier to not fail on a day like this if you are trying to do something that is already high stress. And for many people, visiting with family is a high stress endeavor. If you can excuse yourself from it, if you can shorten the length of time, if you can uh, decide beforehand what topics are off limits, really figure out a way to make it uh, as set up for success as possible so that the disruptive energies of this day don't hurt you more than they need to, right? That, that you're not in the crossfires of this very intense astrology. And as promised, there is a greater good. There is like a, this is the best possible version of this energy. And what that is, if you can strive for it, is to hold this openness to paradox that can let you really do this integration work between a troubled, complicated past and a future in which there is healing and newness. For you to be in that pivot point of the present moment, holding both of these as facts. The, the past has things in it that need to change. The present is, is the moment when that needs to happen. The past also has things in it that we want to hold on to that are deeply familiar and comfortable for us. And depending on which us we're talking about, that is incompatible with somebody else's well-being and comfort, right? So that's why it gets tricky when we think about who wants to hold on to the past, what past they're holding on to, and why. So noticing in yourself what you're attached to, what you're afraid of, where your defenses go up, noticing what it would look like to think of a future that makes room for and has more for all, more freedom, more resources, more environmental protections, more access, all of the things, right? For all, which includes you, right? Includes you, doesn't not include you. If you are someone who is in the category of, of human who is maybe afraid of giving something up right now versus the category of human that's like, damn, I need some more. So that is what I see as, as the best possible use of this energy. And I'm hoping as we move into 2022 and we got Jupiter moving into Pisces and all kinds of things that I'm going to talk about more as we get into the year ahead um, in January's podcast, I'm going to be dropping a special year ahead podcast um, but as we move into 2022, I'm hoping that the crunchier, harder, uh, the painful paradoxes we find ourselves in, in 2021, will start, will become seeds that will start growing in new directions in the coming year. So December 24th, the last, the last of this cycle. And then on December 25th, we get our second Venus conjunction to Pluto this month because Venus went retrograde. Just moving back, going to hang out with Pluto again. So you might want to think back to December 11th when this happened earlier and just do a little more review. Why not do more review? So fun to review. What's going on in our relationships now? You know, what, what were you thinking about on the 11th? Did you have a fight with someone? Did you reach out to someone? Track your progress. Where am I now vis-a-vis -vis that relationship? Because this is a retrograde, and because this is a major holiday, this is a really important time to learn about 
the way that your family dynamics have informed your current relationship strategies. If you have a family you plan to gather with on the 25th, and these are people that are generally like healed, loving, respectful family members, this could be a beautiful time to go deep with them, to talk about, hey, tell me your life history. Tell me things I didn't know before. Tell me how we got here. Is there a family trauma that I don't know about? Is there something that we could deepen into together? If, on the other hand, you have family members who are less healed, who are still in their own pain and trauma, who are hard for you, who, who don't respect your boundaries, who don't treat you kindly, uh, you know, if there's some, some way in which having that kind of open, intimate conversation might not go well for you, this is a day, again, when you want to set yourself up for success, just like yesterday, by having a plan. Really figure out how are you going to handle big feelings that come up, how are you going to give yourself some kind of release valve before, during, after any kind of family gathering? And who are your support people for whatever might get stirred up by being in touch with family today? Or equally, by not being in touch with family today, if you are making a conscious choice to not gather, if you are estranged from family members, if this is a time of year that makes you hella depressed, please, please, please have a support system on this day because the feelings that might get dredged up on a day when retrograde Venus is conjuncting Pluto and it's a major, you know, Christian holiday, whether you identify as Christian or not, this is a big day that has big feelings. So if you find yourself um, dreading this day already and then you hear the astrology and you're like, great, now what am I going to do? Make a plan now. Contact your therapist contact your best friend, have the number of a suicide hotline if that is what you need. Make sure that you are set up to not fall deep into the depths on this day if you feel prone to that. All right, sorry to be so doomy about December 25th. There is the potential, as I said, on this day for doing some deep healing work and some deep connection work with the people that you love and consider trustworthy. So please, 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 I hope you can find that on this day. And celebrate however feels best to you in, um, in light of you know what the world is and what where we all are right now. Don't expect things to feel like we're not in a year or two of a pandemic, or like you are not coming out of whatever situation you have been in throughout this whole time. And we've just got two more transits on the 29th. Jupiter moves into Pisces, as promised. Uh, Jupiter moved briefly into Pisces between May 13th and July 28th of this year, then retrograded back into Aquarius, where it's been hanging out until now. So now Jupiter's just going to be moving forward through Pisces, where it will stay until May of 2022. Then it's going to, you know, dip into Aries, retrograde back, do that little dance again later in the year. But for now, we're in a solid chunk of Jupiter in Pisces. And so Jupiter, when it moves signs, is kind of a big deal uh, because Jupiter is our collective awareness of, you know, our belief systems, our collective consciousness, how we as a culture understand our world. And Jupiter is also the planet of a certain kind of opening toward an energy. So when Jupiter moves into a sign, we as a culture become more interested in, oh, hey, yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing that's probably cool and probably worth doing. 
And you'll notice when Jupiter was in Aquarius, shit has been revolutionary. People have been interested in new workers' movements, in new political arrangements. There has been um, there's been a lot happening in the world of how do we uh, push back against established systems. With Jupiter and Pisces, what will probably get highlighted is our compassion, our spirituality, our creativity, and this kind of sense of unification. Pisces is very, we are all one, you know, very Dr. Bronner's label. We are all one God faith, dilute, dilute. So as Jupiter moves into Pisces, expect to see a lot more woo happening in the world, for better or worse, you know, as a purveyor of the woo. I've got to say, I am concerned about the toxic forms of it that I see gaining traction all over the world, conspirituality, conspiracy theories, you know, um, cultural appropriation. You know, there, there's a lot of ways that the woo can steer us very wrong. And there are ways it can be incredibly healing and generative and and push back against this kind of disenchantment of the world that was part of the Western rationalist project and really steeped in colonialism, right? So there's a lot to say about that. I'll probably get into it more on future podcasts. But this day, December 29th, is kind of like, you know, just a few days before the new year, we get into this energy of the new year. We get a taste of, oh, this is what we're moving toward. As we move into Jupiter and Pisces, the activist in me also just wants to make sure that uh, that we're not letting go of the Aquarius energy fully, right? That we are tinging it with more empathy, that we are understanding more and more about how to bring the intellectual energy and the social energy into a heart-centered place, into a spiritual place, into a place of being actually rooted in love, which is the highest aspect of Pisces. And there's just one more transit before the next new moon, and that is on January 1st. We've got the sun in a beautiful trine to the planet Uranus, and this is exciting. I was talking about, you know, let's not lose sight of Aquarius energy just because Jupiter's moving into Pisces, and Uranus, rule of Aquarius, is is here, you know, right, right around that transition to bring back our awareness of here is how we uh, connect to our more brilliant, liberated uh, selves who are in any way aligned with the work of collective liberation. That is really my touch point for Uranus. So on the first, figure out something. Doesn't have to be the whole thing, but figure out something that you want to do to make a positive impact in your world that is yours that is yours to do right that is not just um I've been told this is the way to do activism but it's more like this is my gift this is my talent this is my interest this is my community there's some way that I doing this is what makes sense for me and what makes sense for the world around me and check yourself and see is the thing I'm choosing to do of benefit to more than just myself my family or even people who are uh, you know, who, who have the privileges I have, right? Is there some way in which I am building solidarity? Is there some way in which I'm deepening my connection with others, learning more about others, learning more about myself, creating real relationships, right? So Sun and Uranus, when they get together, can be brilliant, can be insightful, can be genius. Don't spend too much time critiquing, 
your positionality. <laughs> you know, a lot of people, when they try to show up to activism, they have this idea of what activism is supposed to look like. And then they also have this idea that they need to be dedicating every breathing moment of their lives to it, or they're not doing it right and they won't be effective. And then people who are activists might also feel, hey, I've been dedicating every single waking, breathing moment of my life to this, and I still don't see the effects. I don't see myself making positive traction. And so if, you know, there's also plenty of activists who gloriously do not feel that way, who are uh, deeply fed by what they are doing. So I'm not talking to you. If you've got your thing you're doing and you're like, this is it. This is, this gives me life. I am here for this. Like, mm, more power to you. May you have a beautiful day. Enjoy the New Year's. For those of you who don't have that thing or who have tried to do something in the past and found yourself a little blocked or in, in a world of self-critique or feeling judged by others or if there's some way in which you just haven't found a way to make something stick, this is a really beautiful day to figure out um, what could I try? What could I try this new year? What could I try to do for a week? And to understand that what motivates you when we're talking about a sun Uranus day, the motivation isn't necessarily one of guilt or even one of empathy. The motivation is one of what is the world that I want to live in and how can I get bigger than my, my small sense of what the world has to be, right? So imagining a world that is freer, is stranger, is in some ways more aligned with what you believe would be of benefit to yourself and others, right? With the understanding that you personally probably don't have the power single-handedly to bring that world into being, which is good. No single person should have that much power. But that you acting toward it is you showing up for your world, you showing up for your vision, for your future, for the way that your future and your vision are tied into other people's futures and visions. So that flexibility, that collectivity, those are all going to be pieces of it. But on a day like today, this, on uh, a day like, uh, you know, the first, January 1st, Sun Trine Uranus, begin with just your personal vision. Begin with writing out, this is the world I want to live in. This is what I want to see happen. Here is how I, in this moment, could take one step toward this world. So that's, that's my little lecture for you, a little New Year's Day lecture on working with a sun trying Uranus Day to get more in touch with the truest form of activism that you want to be doing. And that's it for the month. The next new moon will be the new moon in Capricorn on January 2nd. So expect the next episode of The Hum to drop, you know, somewhere around January 1st, perhaps evening of January 1st. We'll see how early I can get to it. But ideally, you'll be able to hear it uh, by the morning of the 2nd. All right, I will talk to you all then. Have a really good month. Survive the holidays as best you can. My books are open if you want to get a reading. And I will talk to you in the new year. Uh -huh.